Hello, I'm Gene Hollywood, and today on Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear, the Tom Ince controversy. Was he murdered by William Randolph Hearst? We'll find out. Well, at least we'll explore the rumors. Uh, hello again, it's me, Gene Hollywood. Been back after a long layoff once again. This time it was due to some feedback that I got from someone uh, who will remain nameless. I wanted to interview someone who then listened to the podcast and didn't like it, and that's fine. I just do this. I, I do very little research. It's just something that interests me, and there wasn't a podcast about this topic. I don't claim to be you know, a wealth of information or an expert. Most of the information I get is from Wikipedia. Or from movies that I've seen and remembered, you know, or facts or books that I've read that I remember, you know, basic facts from. But, uh, no, this is not a, uh, hugely factual podcast. I try and get it all right, like I said, but if I misspeak or, you know, get someone's name wrong in the, over the course of the podcast, um, you're just gonna have to deal with it and, uh, you know, People should try not to be uh, hurtful. You know, send me three emails, you know, just tearing down the podcast, and that's fine. Don't like it. Don't listen. That's great. I don't I don't know who listens. I appreciate anybody who does listen. Today is August the 12th. No, today is August the 13th, and I just got a message, an email from Podomatic.com saying, that someone had requested a new episode, which is very flattering. And so, um, even if it's one person out there, I'll do this episode for that one person. And yay, listener. That being said, on with the show. Uh, this week's topic is Tom Ince, Thomas H. Ince. He was a huge, huge star back in the day. And like, like I said, I'm getting most of my, I'm getting all of my information from uh, Wikipedia, and then uh, from some remembrances of mine of the movie The Cat's Meow, which portrays the boat trip and the mystery surrounding Thomas Ince's death. Anyway, back to the topic. That was one of the complaints that I jump around a lot, and absolutely valid. I jump around a lot, but it's my podcast, and I'll do whatever I want. Thomas Ince was uh he was known as the father of the western he was responsible for making over 800 films two of them the italian in 1915 and civilization in 1916 selected by the national film registry for preservation he was a partner and a and a uh, contemporary of dw griffith and max senate uh he partnered with those two to form the triangle motion picture company uh on the site of what's now sony pictures in los angeles I personally have never been to Los Angeles, but or to Hollywood, but uh, eventually I will. And when I go, I'll take one of these tours for the, you know, the old timey tour. He then built his own studio, which is the present site, the present day site of Culver City Studios. He's also famous for the mysterious and untimely death aboard the private yacht of media tycoon William Randolph Hearst, just as he was about to join forces with Hearst International Film Corp. Like I said, Tom Ince was born in 1882, the youngest of nine boys. He was a powder monkey in the British Navy. 
uh, which was someone who carried gunpowder back and forth wherever it was needed, became a director. He worked with Carl Lamel. They moved uh, this. I covered this topic in one of the earlier episodes when they moved out of reach of Thomas Edison's motion picture patents company. Uh, they moved. That's the reason that Hollywood was basically started. And apparently Tom Ince was one of those first people. Uh, he came out uh, with his new stars, Mary Pickard and Owen Moore. Whoever I don't, I've never heard of Owen Moore, but he was probably a big star as well. Inceville was a uh, the first, basically one of the first actual motion picture studios with Thomas Ince heading, you know, at the head of it. It was later rechristened the Triangle Ranch, which then uh, led to the Triangle motion picture company. There were film labs, there were sound stages, well, not sound stages, but uh, stages and sets. There was uh, a bit of Switzerland, a Puritan settlement, a Japanese village. It was quite a place. This is in the early teens, 1913, and starred in, he was the biggest cowboy star of his day, and that's how he made his money. Along the way, he parlayed his stardom into uh, directing and studio uh, ownership, apparently. He joined competitor Adolf Zucker to form Paramount Artcraft Pictures, which became Paramount Pictures. So when Samuel Goldwyn purchased the Triangle lot, Ince turned around and bought 14 acres and formed Thomas H. Ince Studios, which operated there from 1919 until his death in 1924. He modeled his studio after United Artists Corporation, which was uh, formed, which had been formed by Ince's old partner, D.W. Griffith, one of his stars, Mary Pickford, and uh, Charlie Chaplin, three of them, and along with... Uh, 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 junior Douglas Fairbanks Douglas Fairbanks, D.W. Griffith, Mary Pickford and Charlie Chaplin uh, formed United Artists Ince modeled his studio after that uh, serving as the president uh, and distributed major producer directors like Max Sennett could not, unfortunately could not make a go on its own and in 1922 merged with First National which released Ince's films until his death in 1924 by 1924, let's get to the meat of it. By 1924, Thomas Ince was rumored to be close to bankruptcy. To rescue his floundering fortunes, Ince set upon trying to enlist the aid of William Randolph Hearst by negotiating a deal with Hearst's International Film Corporation. On Saturday, November 15th, he boarded Hearst's lavish 280-foot yacht, the USS Oneida, and set sail from San Pedro, California, heading for San Diego. Among Hearst's guests that weekend were his mistress, Marion Davies, silent film star Charlie Chaplin, who was also into Marion Davies, newspaper columnist Luella Parsons, who until this point was a very low-level columnist, author Eleanor Glynn, film actress Aileen Pringle, Jacqueline Logan, Cena Owen, Margaret Livingston, and Julianne Johnston. 
actor, choreographer, and ballet dancer Theodore Kosoff, Kozlov, and Dr. Daniel Carson Goodman. First film production manager, Ince, the guest of honor as it was his 42nd birthday, was late due to the fact that he was still finalizing the deal, the production deal, with Hearst, and the yacht left without him. Interesting. After Ince finished his business in Los Angeles, he took a train to San Diego, where he joined the guests the next morning at dinner. No, the next morning. <laughs> at dinner that Sunday night, the group enthusiastically celebrated his birthday. Sometime later, Ince suffered an acute bout of indigestion. Determining that he was quite ill, he was taken ashore in San Diego by water taxi, accompanied by Dr. Goodman, a licensed, though non-practicing physician. Then he was quickly put on a train bound for Los Angeles. While en route, Ince's condition worsened. At Del Mar, he was removed from the train and taken to a hotel where he was given medical treatment by Dr. T.A. Parker and a nurse, Jesse Howard. Provided by Hearst. Ince informed them that he had drunk liquor on the yacht. Afterward, he was taken to his Dias Dorados estate at Benedict Canyon Drive, where 48 hours after leaving the Oneida, Ince died. Two days before his death, Chaplin, Davies, and Hearst each claimed to have visited Ince at his home, where he supposedly told them he believed he would soon be well, because the, I guess he thought he was getting better. Dr. Ida Cowan Glasgow, Ince's personal physician, signed the death certificate, citing heart failure as the cause of death. However, the front page of the Wednesday morning Los Angeles Times told another story. Quote, movie producer shot on Hearst yacht, end quote. Headlines that mysteriously vanished in the evening edition. Without further ado, Ince's body was quickly cremated after which his widow, Nell, mysteriously and abruptly left for Europe. The first stories in Hearst's own newspapers about Ince's death claimed the producer had fallen ill while visiting Hearst Ranch in San Simeon and had been ushered home by ambulance, dying in the bosom of his family. Quote. The rumor mill in Hollywood, however, immediately went to work. Several conflicting stories began circulating about the incident, often revolving around a claim that Hearst shot Ince in the head, mistaking him for Chaplin. Interesting. The story goes that William Randolph Hearst suspected that Marion Davies and Charlie Chaplin were secretly lovers, which they were, and in order to keep tabs on the two, he invited them both on board the yacht. It was reported that he found the couple in a compromising clinch and went for his gun. Davies' screams awakened Ince, who rushed to the scene. A scuffle ensued, followed by a gunshot. Pow! And Ince took the bullet intended for Chaplin. According to Chaplin in his autobiography, he claims he wasn't even aboard the yacht that day, but stated that he did hear from his friend Glenn that Ince had been merry and debonair earlier, but that during lunch he had been suddenly stricken with paralyzing pain and forced to leave the table. A second version of the story had Davies and Ince alone in the galley late Sunday night. Ince, who suffered from ulcers, was looking for something to ease his upset stomach while Hearst walked in. Mistaking Ince for Chaplin, Hearst shot him while Davies was attending to him. A third version tells of a struggle over a gun below decks between unidentified passengers. The gun accidentally discharged 
and the bullet ripped through a plywood partition straight into Ince's room where it struck him. Well, that's not plausible. I mean, it's plausible, but that's not what happened. Chaplin's own valet, Toriachi Kono, added fuel to the fire when he claimed to have seen Ince when he came ashore via stretcher in San Diego. Kono told his wife that Ince's head was bleeding from a bullet wound. The story quickly spread among Japanese domestic workers throughout Beverly Hills. Whether Ince was killed in a fit of jealousy or by accident, the story stuck, and with many believing Hearst used his power and influence to cover up the incident. One month after Ince's death, the rumors ran so rampant that the San Diego District Attorney's Office was forced to take action. The DA only interviewed Dr. Goodman, who explained that once ashore, he and Ince caught a train for Los Angeles. According to Goodman, Ince got sick on the train, so they disembarked in Del Mar and checked into a hotel. Goodman then called a doctor, as well as Nell Ince. Concerned for her husband, Nell agreed to come to Del Mar immediately. Goodman, unclear whether Ince was suffering from a heart attack or indigestion, claimed he left Del Mar before Nell arrived. The DA quickly closed the investigation. Rumors and suspicion continued to be fueled by the very people who celebrated with Ince that weekend, beginning with Chaplin's denial of actually being there, and then insisting that he, Hearst, and Davies visited the ailing Ince later. He also stated that Ince died two weeks after their visit. In reality, Ince was dead within 48 hours of leaving the Oneida, with Chaplin attending the memorial services that Friday. Davies also added to the mystery and her attempts to deny the incident. She never acknowledged that Chaplin, Parsons, or Goodman were aboard the yacht that week. She insisted that Nell Ince called her late Monday afternoon at United Studios to inform her of Ince's death. When the Onita sailed, Parsons was a New York movie columnist for one of Hearst's papers. After the Ince affair, Hearst gave her a lifetime contract and expanded her syndication. Hearst also provided Nell Ince with a trust fund just before she left for Europe. She refused an autopsy and ordered her husband's immediate cremation. Rumor has it that Ince also paid off Ince's mortgage, that Hearst also paid off Ince's mortgage on his Chateau Elysee apartment building in Hollywood. Later, D.W. Griffith would say of the incident, quote, All you have to do is to make Hearst turn white as a ghost is mention Ince's name. There's plenty wrong there, but Hearst is too big, end quote. Huh. The circumstance of Ince's death sadly overshadowed his reputation as a pioneering filmmaker and diminished the way in which his role in the growth of the film industry would be remembered. Even his studio did not survive. It was sold soon after he died. The final film he produced, Enticement, a romance set in the French Alps, was released posthumously in 1925. In 1996, the book Murder at San Simeon was published by Patty Hearst, William Randolph Hearst's granddaughter. It's a fictionalized version, presenting Chaplin and Davies as lovers and Hearst as a jealous old man unwilling to share his mistress with anyone else. And the movie I was talking about in the beginning is a 2001 film directed by Peter Bogdanovich, The Cat's Meow. It's based on the incident. Bogdanovich claims that he heard the story of Vince's death from director Orson Welles, who in turn said he heard it from screenwriter Charles Letterer, Marion Davies' nephew, which Bogdanovich confirmed with Letterer himself. In Bogdanovich's film, Ince is portrayed by Carrie Elways. Ince has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, 
uh, it's lo- located at 6727 Hollywood Boulevard. I would, I would have to say, just having, being a human being and being able to make suppositions, um, and just judging from one Wikipedia article and one fictionalized movie that I saw, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, William Randolph first. It seems like, I don't know if I can get sued in a podcast that no one listens to, but um, allegedly William Randolph first. Uh, I would allege that he murdered Tom Ince. Um, unfortunately, thinking that uh, Ince was Charles Chap was Charlie Chaplin. And then Chaplin lied about it for his whole life. Apparently not a very good guy. So, but he was definitely having an affair with Marion Davies. So anyway, that's the story of Thomas Ince. I will put up a picture of, well, they're already, you're listening to this. You can see that there's pictures on. I, again, I thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. I did take some, some, let some notes. There's no more music. Um, that was, I only added the music for those two episodes because I had gotten that as a suggestion and I thought that maybe it needed something. But after trying to, trying to do the music a couple of times, I think it was too distracting. I wasn't into it. You know, some other people that contacted me weren't into it either. So I'm going to drop the music and we're just going to get right to it. I've been told that it would be better if I, if I wrote something out, but honestly, I'm just going to read it from Wikipedia because it's the free encyclopedia. You know, I'm still going to try and riff and try and not make it sound like I'm reading. And I'll, I'll read the article first and talk a little bit, you know, as much as I can, just free flowing. But anyway, thanks for listening. Once again, I am Gene Hollywood, and you have been listening to the Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear podcast. Next week, or next month, <laughs> who knows? I'm not sure. Maybe uh, the whole podcast will be a mystery. Thank you again. Bye-bye.